Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you, Gunther. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Cantona. Oh. Yes, hello and welcome to episode four of the Shooting Czars Euros podcast. It's been a week, boys. We've had a little hiatus. We've all, well, two of us have uh, been to different locations in this world, but we're back now. Episode four, after another big weekend of action as the group, the end of the group stages approach. Bryce Conway and Alex Grant are with me, Stuart Marshall, as per usual. Brycey. How are we going over there in Perth, mate? I'll start with you. How are things over the past week? How have you been? Mate, I'm good. Uh, it's freezing. Um, just had the gas heater on. Aircon's getting fixed tomorrow, so that's been a hassle. So that's great. Yep. Um, but no, I managed to get back on the park on the weekend. And uh, the minor uni got back on the winner's list. So happy days. And you got a goal, I believe. Yeah, let's not talk about that, mate. It's all about the team, you know. One week at a time, all that nonsense. But yeah, just happy to, <laughs> happy the boys got a win. No, no, talk us through your goal. How did it come about? It you've, you've been injured recently and you, you got back on the park for uni, as you mentioned, your team you've been playing for for many, many years now. But back in the goals, back in the team, you must be feeling great. Mate, uh, it uh, makes a huge difference to the mood on a Sunday when you're not pissed off with your entire team. So it was nice. Um, but no, it's just good to be out there and running around again and getting some sunshine on my alabaster complexion. So I think the... You know, remnants of a tan is probably the biggest win I got out of the weekend. Yeah. Radio. Lovely to hear. Lovely to hear. Alex Grant. He comes from a he comes to us tonight from uh Thailand, I believe. Somewhere in Thailand. He's away on duty with the Pohang Steelers of South Korea in the K League, uh for the Asian Champions League, but he's likened his stay to prison. So for those that are maybe watching on YouTube, you can see that Alex is actually in a prison cell. And we aren't kidding. Granty, how are we going, mate? You're back, back traveling with the team. You've got games coming up, but maybe, you know, the, the prison aspect isn't isn't so flash, is it? No, it's not, mate. But do you like what I've done with the place? I love it. I really like the, uh, the, the bed spreads you've got on your beds there. <laughs> it's cracking, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. I've got no roommates, though, unfortunately. No cellmates. So, and uh, I'm on my own in my room. But, yeah, we're in, um, in Thailand, in Bangkok. Can't say I've seen much of it. So, um, seen, seen, the, seen the training ground we went to the stadium today where we'll be playing all the group games and, and basically just been confined to my room for the last three days and it will continue for the next three weeks unfortunately but that's the world we live in so explain to the, us and the listeners you, you touched on it before we came on air I suppose um, what, the, what the situation is it's a you know, you're away with Pohang for the Asian Champions League. Is it is it a mini sort of tournament all happening at the same time? A uh, little hub yeah, so, sort of vibe. Yeah. So we're in the. So this is a group stage. So they've um, put us all in one venue. So we're in Thailand. There's other groups playing throughout Asia. I think there's some in Uzbekistan and other various countries. So we were we were stuck here, and yeah, I mean we're on the fifth floor. Uh, the Japanese team. Um, I think above us, um, you've got Johor below and then um, the Thai team are here as well. So we're all staying in the same hotel. I haven't seen any of the other players because we're all um, on a schedule, a tightly run schedule, to be fair. And when we're training at different times, we're coming down the lift, they're doing whatever in the rooms and 
you know, that's just how it continues. And when we come back from training, the next team goes on the training pitch and then that's kind of how it works. So we've not really seen any of the other teams, even though they're in the same hotel, which is a bit eerie. Well, so, um, so, so there's one training pitch or only a couple of training pitches that each team, all the teams are sort so of using at different times. There's one one training pitch, which is a first division teams stadium. I don't know the name of the club here in Thailand, in Bangkok. And all the... Bangkok Glass? All the games... Uh, no, nah, I don't know. All the games are being played. Uh, that went straight over me, I don't know. It's been a tough few days, Bryce. But, um, yeah, all the games are being played at the National Stadium. I don't know if we went to check it out today. It was nice. I'd like the same feels of new of the new camp. I've not seen the new... I've not been to the new camp, but it was kind of that... It was a big stand, open, open roof. You know, it was, it was impressive. Okay. Are you airdropping videos to rival players of you tackling in your highlights just to get in their heads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned as well um, another Australian and former Perth Glory player, Shane Lowry, is actually in the same hotel staying with his team on a different level, but obviously you're old friends. You haven't been able to see him. So what team is he with now? Because he's recently moved clubs in Asia. Um, he has. He's well, with yeah. Hopefully you get to see Johor, him as well. Johor, uh, a Malaysian team. He joined up with them a few weeks ago. So um, I, I rang him last night, actually, for an hour and a half. So we're kind of having a laugh about the standard of food and the quality of life here in, in Thailand. Prison. Yeah. And it's just, just to be clear, is, is it just prison for the players um, in the sense, because obviously the COVID, are the COVID protocols club enforced and maybe the Champions League protocols or is it is the country in that bad of a position that um, everywhere's kind of in prison, I suppose? I know they've had a bit of a rise in cases recently. They've had a bit of a spike and I, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% certain on this, but I think it's enforced by the government um, and the regulations have been handed to the AFC who then delegate that to us. Um, we've got to live, live by those rules. So I think all the foreigners who come into Thailand actually have to quarantine like they do in Australia. So we are kind of quarantining, but we are doing a job at the same time. Right, so strict protocols, stuck in his room, plenty of time to watch, I don't know, maybe is, the Euros? Is, is yeah, you can, the Euros, you can get on the Euros, yeah, the Euros is on. There's a, it's funny, there's a guy at the bottom, so I'm right at the end of the the uh, the corridor, it's probably about a 70-metre strip, and there's a guy right at the end of the, the corridor by the lifts, and he's got these um handmade signs that kind of say I don't think he talks any English but it says please go back to your room um you know please put your mask on he's got like different placards with all different messages on which is pretty funny there you go different things you gotta I suppose you gotta keep yourself entertained I suppose when you're in jail as well so um Bryce you ever done you ever done any stint in hotel quarantine Bryce granted you've had to have a couple stints in quarantine now but what about you Bryce no stints mate just happy days here in Perth, to be honest. It's been yeah. a dream. Very easy. You're not really in Perth, though, are you? You're in your little bubble south of the river. Yeah, actually, the city of Fremantle. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah, the city of Fremantle. So, God's country, yeah. It is God's country, down at South Beach. Yeah, so, so when there's, when we had that one lockdown, I, I could still walk to the beach and still, you know, relax. So, yeah, can't complain at all. 
Ah, uh, well, Grancy, we're thinking of you, mate. There's obviously a big tournament coming up. Hopefully, uh, you can keep yourself busy in your room, um, watching plenty of football. I'm sure you are, Stu, you bastards. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, I'm in Sydney now. I just got back to Sydney from Tassie, and there's what nine, ten cases in Sydney. There's been a COVID eruption here by Australian standards, so um. Yeah, I may be heading into a lockdown as well, mate. So maybe you and me will both be consuming plenty of the Euros, which is actually the reason we uh, are here today to talk. So, yeah, thanks to everybody that is tuning in. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Facebook. Oh, not Facebook, sorry, Instagram and Twitter. We don't have a Facebook. Um, and if you are following us, if you're listening to us, we're on all podcast networks, Google, iTunes, Apple, whatever you want to call it, and, of course, Spotify. Chuck us a like, a subscribe, leave us a review even. Let's get those reviews up. Let us know how we're going. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. We've got another big sort of show. We're going to point out some weird and wonderful things we saw or we've been seeing over the, the week, I suppose, at, at the Euros. There's been a few funny storylines, and especially those that are watching on YouTube. Um, I'm sporting the Ronaldo Coke background. Obviously, that's been quite a hilarious aspect of the Euros and the press conferences and the amount of different players that are um, moving the sponsors around. Uh, we will be dissecting games over the past couple of days. Uh, obviously, there's been a week between since we've last spoken, so there's been plenty of going, plenty. He's got some water, water, and Granty's now holding up some water and some bread. <laughs> rations, rations in his prison cell. Uh, so we'll be dissecting a few games, and then obviously covering off some A League and EPL action, and answering the questions that the boys asked last week so if you want to know the answers to those and you haven't looked them up stick around to the end but anyway let's start with the weird and wonderful Bryce what have you seen over the past week that sort of caught your eye maybe we can start with the coke and the Heineken uh, sort of situation that's been brought upon by Cristiano Ronaldo didn't want to yeah. be, didn't want to be seen with Coca-Cola bottles in front of him at a at a presser. What did you think, mate? Yeah, that? a Pepsi Pepsi deal incoming for old Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, um, there we go. It was a real interesting one. I think um because he just he, you could see him just eyeing it off and he just moves it and he made a big deal out of it and then picked up the water bottle and was like stay hydrated or whatever. So that was that was interesting because he it was just it was just such it came out of nowhere and usually those press conferences are boring as anything because they're not giving away anything before the game. I think it was quite pointless really. Um, so it made it a bit of fun, which was good. And it wiped um, billions off the uh, Coke stock price and, and uh, share price there. So it was interesting to see how it, just how influential he is. Um, and then Paul Pogba moving the old Heineken. Heineken, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that was religiously motivated or yeah. what his reasoning was for that. Yeah, well, I, he's a he's a Muslim, so uh, yeah. he doesn't drink alcohol. So maybe that's the main reason. But it was pretty funny. Do you know that... it was zero percent? Or <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. But maybe he just doesn't drink Heineken. Then you also yeah, had Romelu. Like... Then you had other players like Romelu Lukaku uh, saying Coca Cola, Cole Rock Nation, his uh, agency and the company he signed for, which is actually Jay Z's company, I believe. Uh, you got Yarmolenko from the Ukraine asking for Coca-Cola to contact him and work with him. You got John McGinn sitting down at the Scotland presser and asking where the Coke bottles were. You had the Russia coach actually popping a Coke bottle off and having a drink at Love the presser. That. So there's uh, plenty of funny stuff to uh, make out of that. 
Other things we've sort of seen, I saw in the crowd in the Switzerland v Turkey game, someone actually had COVID-19 on their shirt, which was pretty funny. Uh, it's their name and their number. So there you go. People are getting creative. Uh, See, no, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> another right. heartfelt one was uh, the Christian Eriksen moment um, in the Belgium v Denmark game, Granty. Obviously great to see. And there's obviously good news with Christian Eriksen being discharged from hospital. But there was sort of a, a celebration of Christian Eriksen in that game as well. Um, what did you think of that? Have you ever been in a game where games sort of stop playing for a, a goodwill moment, I suppose? Um, I don't think I have, actually. I thought like, it was a nice gesture. Don't get me wrong, but it was a bit odd. Them stopping the game for a whole minute. Um, and like you said, like you touched on, Christian Eriksen's doing good. So it's kind of, I guess it's just to keep everyone upbeat and, why, why are you asking me this question? Bryce was the one who threw it up before the pod. Like, no, I just wanted to get. I wanted to get. Some, I wanted to know whether you've been involved in a game with the goodwill gesture. And you said no. So I think no, you have, Grantie. Have I? I think at Glory you have. I think there was ah, um, maybe a, the Liam Miller. May I think yeah, the Liam Miller. There was. Yeah, yeah. There was. There was a minutes applause. Yeah. Right. Um, Park. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, but Bryce, yeah, you, you, you were saying off air as Alex said. You know, Christian Eriksen hasn't passed away. Do you think maybe yeah. he's a bit over the top? <laughs> I I think if he's alive and okay, I, I think it, it might be a bit too much giving him a minute applause when he hasn't passed away. It seems it usually is left for people that have passed away and them trying like honoring their memory and things like that. So I just thought it was a bit I don't know, it just struck me as strange straight away. I didn't really get it, to be honest. I mean yeah. Great to support Christian Eriksen. I can't. I hope to see him back on the pitch and everything. But I just thought it was a. It was. A, it was a lot. Maybe <laughs> it was. It was lot. Um, I don't know. Rommel Lukaku was obviously from Belgium and they were playing mm. Denmark, and it seems like him and Christian Eriksen are uh, good mates over there in Inter Milan. So um, yeah, well, they're such good mates. He'd know that he's alright. So I don't know why. Anyway, nice gesture. <laughs> other, nice gesture. Yeah. Otherwise, but the best thing <laughs> out of all of this is that he's been discharged from hospital, Christian yeah. Eriksen. So. Uh, that's the most positive yeah, exactly. thing. Absolutely. All righty. We've got some games to talk about, fellas. It's been a big week. There's sort of isn't an early game tonight in the games no. as well. There's, I think there was only two games last night. We're recording this on the 21st of June, so Monday night. But, um, yeah, the, group, the end of the group stage is approaching. Um, but let's move all the way back to the, to the big one, I suppose. We'll start on Friday, England v. Scotland, Alex. You watch this one. There's been much debate about England's team selection, um, Gareth Southgate's lack of use of certain substitutes, their playing style. Is Harry Kane fit and he looks a bit leggy? Um, England must be the hardest team to manage in world football, international football. The amount of media attention that teams get when that team gets when they have one bad game is quite astonishing. But Let's look at the game itself. England nil, Scotland nil. Scotland were probably unlucky not to get a goal. Is that fair to say? Um, I wouldn't say that's fair to say. No, I wouldn't, Stuart. I mean, look, they had a couple of chances, but, you know, England at the post. Um, I think, as a whole, I think it was a fair result. Um, I think Scotland were definitely the better team. I think they shaped up really well. They just... I won't say they wanted it more because obviously the England player, it's like me, when I go into every game, I want to win. I'm not saying that there wasn't 
you know, that will or hunger to to win the game from the English players. But like you touched on, they just, I don't know what it is. They just look like they're lacking something. And I think that prior to the tournament, they didn't come in with bundles of confidence and good results, you know, 1-0 against Austria, another 1-0 win. They're not setting the world alight before the tournament and I don't think they've really taken much form going into it either um, obviously they got the result against Croatia which was a hard fought 1-0 win and I just think that Scotland really shaped up well and were always on the front foot pressing well there was a couple of good performances I thought um, Tyrone Mings played really well and I think he's actually probably been England's most consistent player over the, over the two games a player who we actually said we were slightly worried about him going into the tournament. We weren't entirely convinced coming off the back of the his season with Aston Villa. So he's kind of um, one who surprised us slightly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They just they're just lacking something, and I don't know, like you said, whether it's the the media hype and it's getting to them like it always seems to do with England England squads in in big tournaments. But I think there's definitely a cause for concern. Do you think it's? Do you think the the media scrutiny is justified though, or do you think that like I mean they got the, okay they haven't played great in this tournament thus far, but um, neither have France. France didn't have the greatest game, which we'll come to in their one all draw with Hungary. Um, but yeah, do you think? I mean, guys like Ian Wright and whatnot have come out and sort of having a, having a pop at Southgate at least. Do you think it's fair in terms of the scrutiny on how he's been? selecting the team and maybe not using certain players like Sancho really hasn't got a run. Grealish hasn't got a run, especially when the team needs a goal and needs a spark. I think look, we said that they'd make cha- that he'd make changes and he did the ones he made, you know, there was a couple of surprises, I think uh, like, but even the plays he kept on the pitch, I think Foden looked pretty average at times again Sterling I'm not I don't know about Sterling I'm just not entirely convinced by him as well and and like Bryce said in the first game that Harry Kane looked lethargic and I kind of disagree but I thought in this game in particular he actually did look a bit leggy and he didn't look like he was really doing the graft or and that's just what I took from it I thought Luke, Luke Shaw did well Um and he was the one who we thought would start in the first game and didn't. So whether he keeps him in there or he throws Trippier back on. But Grealish, I think that's the one that everyone's talking about. Um, did he bring him on too late? I know he got the last 30 minutes. Um, but does he need to be starting? But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the results. And as Gareth Southgate touched, in in, touched on in his uh, post-match um, interview, that their main goal is getting through the group. And that point pretty much solidifies their spot in the next round. Mm. Um, so I think that's the thing that everyone kind of loses sight of that. What mm. is the main goal? You know, you Portugal Portugal didn't even win a game in the group stages at the last tournament. And everyone, nobody remembers that. They only remember them lifting the trophy at the end of the tournament at the end of the day. And like, if England go on to win this tournament, everyone will forget about the Scotland game. So that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. Bryce, do you think, um, I think Jose Mourinho has said on TalkSport because he's working with them for the Euros, mm. um, 
Brazil and England are the two hardest teams to, to manage just the, the media attention that are on those international sides. Um, I mean, if you were Gareth Southgate, what, what changes do you, would you make in the third match? I mean, yeah, would I Foden think- come out? Some people are calling for Harry Kane to get dropped. I could not see that happening. That would cause too much of a media storm, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, what changes would you make to the England team, I suppose, in that sense? I'd like to see uh, Sancho start instead of Sterling just on the wing there and really see what he can add to the squad because he's shown his goals and assist ratio and goal involvements for Dortmund were unreal the past couple of seasons. And Raheem Sterling has been a player who's been out of form. So I, and, and he's conti- I know he scored, but I think that flattered him in that first game against Croatia. I thought he was poor up until that goal um, and after the goal as well. So I think you got nothing to lose by trying another player there who could possibly play better than Sterling and is in a, a better uh, vein of form there. I think um, I know everyone's clamoring for Grealish and wanting more time, more time, but he came on for 30 minutes and I thought he did sweet nothing for half an hour, if I'm honest. And so I think, I don't know if he's a player that has to start you see players that come on and can make an impact off the bench. And I don't know, it's, it's always a, it's up for conjecture there. There's plenty of conjecture around whether he should be starting. I think it's the main focus point at the moment is Grealish and then Foden as well. There were such high expectations on Foden. I think it was Ian Wright's tweet uh, talking about Foden's style. Um, he never went out on loan at any other clubs and he only knows Pep's style, the Man City style of play. Um, so that's making it more difficult. I just, I don't know, I find it hard to kind of agree wholeheartedly with that. Wait, wait, I missed that, I, I miss that tweet. What, 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 can you just elaborate on what you, that tweet meant? Um, yes, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's saying he's not as, he isn't flexible enough in different systems and playing with the England system, it doesn't suit him and doesn't suit his strengths. So he suits Pep's style and style of play at Manchester City, whereas in England, it doesn't seem to be working out as well. But I mean, you saw that first 15 minutes against Croatia and he looked, elite he looked like the best player on the pitch um and things kind of he hit the post and then things kind of slowed down from there but i think he's an absolutely world-class player but he seems to be struggling at the moment i don't know whether it's because of the attacking trio they've got there at the moment sterling and kane are both struggling um yeah i don't know do we want dominic calvert lewin up front now do we want to give him a run if they if they've effectively secured a spot in the uh knockout stages would you drop foden uh, yeah, would you take Foden out over Sterling, Alex? And maybe bring in Sancho or Grealish on that on that side. I think one thing one thing about Sancho is everyone's saying how good it would would be to have him featuring, but I don't think anyone really knows how he plays. And obviously, he's got talent, and he's at Borussia Dortmund, and he's doing something right if he's playing there. But are we going to see? I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think I think people are just saying okay, Jaden Sancho, Borussia Dortmund, throw him in kind of thing. But obviously Gareth Southgate sees something um, that we don't, and that Foden and Sterling are the better players to be named on the team sheet. You've like you've even got Rashford there as well. He just um, watches more Premier League than Bundesliga, I reckon. I reckon yeah, well, that's, that's but I think the majority of people in England and the majority of people in the world do. So I think everyone's kind of just saying, oh, yeah, throw Jaden Sancho on. But he must be good, re- sort of thing. Yeah, but there's obviously a reason I mean, as to why stats, he's not playing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think someone who's... It's, it's, 
grossly out of form and Raheem Sterling, there's talks of him leaving City and he hasn't been good enough all season. And then someone who's absolutely razzling for a team that isn't winning absolutely everything. I just think he, I don't know, he's worth a spot on the bench at least. I think that's been the most surprising part for me is he hasn't even got a spot on the bench. Yeah. No, it's... uh... Go on. I want to say that... um... I wouldn't say Foden's world class either, Bryce. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I think oh, you're yeah. right. Top class, not world class. Yeah. Uh, another I thing I just want to highlight. Yeah, I know. I just thought I'd pull you up on it, but. Um... <laughs> Cheers, dickhead. <laughs> but uh, I'm just getting back for that one last week, mate. Yeah, you're just getting um... hard in prison. That's all you're doing. You're feeling hard now. That's it. Find out the ball. <laughs> Don't drop the soap. But I, another thing I know um, I'd seen on Twitter, a few posts actually, and on Instagram actually as well, was uh, highlighting actually maybe England fans, how they took Wayne Rooney for granted and how good he was when he was 18, playing in this tournament, scoring four goals. Yeah. Um, the youngest player at the time to score in the year. I think, honestly, like, looking at it now in hindsight, I just think, he tore up that tournament and that's when he came on the scene. He was playing at Everton, 18 years old. And that's what I'm saying. I just don't think England have a player like that. I think everyone's going on about folding this, folding that, Sancho this, Sancho that. I don't think they come anywhere near. Yeah, Yeah, I just don't think they're anywhere near what Wayne Rooney was like at that age. Classic English media, isn't it? With rising stars, too much pressure too soon. I mean, Rooney was that rare kind of exception where it works and he yeah. exceeded yeah. expectations. He did everything everyone thought he would. But yeah, it's, it's kind of dangerous putting that pressure on these players because now we're already talking about, ah, uh, geez, Foden's really not cutting the mustard here, is he? Kind of thing. So it's just like, yeah, nah. I think it's dangerous. Yeah. That's why a fine line. Yeah. And it's it, it, it sw- the balance swings so much, I think. And it's yeah. so he can score one and we're like, oh, don't worry about it. He's going to be the best in the world yeah. kind of thing. That's, uh, that's what I... I mean, that's I completely agree with you both. Like it's <clears throat> just the the pressure on this team is ridiculous. I think from a media perspective, especially all the ex players that are pundits, I don't know, just like everyone shits themselves. It's like when Man U loses, it's like it's, it's, the world is gonna cave in if there's it's, one yeah, half bad result. It's I guess that's just what job. happens to the biggest clubs yeah. in the world. Hmm. Yeah, it's their job to be, you know, on top of things and put expectations and predict what's going to happen with players and make these big calls. Honestly, but it's like for us, it's like the best thing to do is like, you've got to see what happens because you just, you can't predict the future and it just can be harmful for some teams and some players and be quite toxic. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, we'll move on before we, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep moving on. We've got a fair bit to sort of get through in this episode. Quick word on Scotland though, Bryce, give us one minute. I know, sorry to the Scotland yep. fans, the Scottish people out there. Sorry, mum. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, quick, quick one-minute word on Scotland. <laughs> yeah, mate, Bill, Billy Gilmore again showing Scott class. Has COVID now as well. That dropped I know, this that, evening. God, that poor guy. What are the ramifications good of thing that? that? Good thing that no one from England got near him, so he'll be, he'll be, they'll be all right. I think he was class. Um, that's really unfortunate for him after hitting that form. But England had more shots on goal, more shots on target. And I think I told you a few Scotland fans and they felt a bit like, oh, Think it was a bit of a missed opportunity so that was their kind of sentiment after it so i think it was a, a really good performance from them after that after they were quite you know disappointing against czech republic um there so yeah yep all right that's that england v scotland england are now playing czech republic in their third group match and 
Scotland are playing Croatia. So the other two Friday games were Croatia 1, Czech Republic 1, and Sweden 1, Slovakia 0, which, Bryce, you say was the... We won't, we won't talk about it too much, but what was it to you? It was the... Worst game at a major tournament I've ever sat through a full <laughs> 90 minutes for. It was absolute rubbish. Uh, all right. Enough well, at least, said. At least you watched it. At least you watched it, Bryce. You're doing it for the pod. We appreciate there we go. it. Doing his, yeah, doing his homework. Pause, lad. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, yeah, Friday, there was only four goals in the three games or three goals in the three games. Um, England-Scotland highlight that one with a nil old draw. Let's move to Saturday now. We've got Spain won, Poland won, Hungary won, France won. And then maybe the game of the weekend, Portugal 2, Germany 4. It was kind of set up for a Cristiano Ronaldo hat-trick at the start of that second half, I thought. Portugal down 2-1, Germany two late goals in the first half. Ronaldo chasing all these records, already got that early one. I was kind of just envisioning him to bang in a double in the second half to uh, get that hat-trick. It didn't eventuate though, Bryce, and Germany ran out 4-2 winners. And they've sort of turned, turned it around at this tournament and look... Pretty dangerous. Yeah, I had a mate before the game. He was on Saturday morning, messaged me the odds, and Portugal were like $3.25 and Germany two twenty five. I was like, geez, that's good odds for Portugal. I mean, based on form and everything, you would have thought Portugal would have won that game. I think Germany showed nothing in that first game to suggest that they beat the uh, reigning champions in the form that they were in. So it was definitely a big surprise. Cracking game, best of the tournament for me so far. Um, in stark contrast to bloody Swede, Slovakia. Um, but I just think seeing a player like Robin Gerzen's score, like a guy that I hadn't heard of before the tournament, obviously he plays um, at Atalanta. So, I mean, I don't watch a lot of Serie A, but obviously they've been in the Champions League doing really well the past few seasons. He got rejected by Dortmund as a team and he was working at a petrol station a few years ago. So it's just mad, those kind of stories here and that. And you just know that he's someone that is going to become a cult figure immediately within the the German national team, which was, which was seriously, it was cool. But I think... Josh had learned his lesson after the first game and not passing to Ronaldo and he squared that easy one for him after some superb control. So now what a game. It was brilliant. Yeah, and I suppose there's what there's an, there was two own goals in that first half, and there's already been more own goals in this tournament in the early group stages than there were yeah. in the whole of the last tournament. So Yeah, I think I they got the record and it's like the group stages already or something. So it's 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 mad. Is that just a coincidence, Alex, there being more on goals this tournament around than, than last? Or is that a reflection on defences being worse? Or is there any sort of, do you think, indication of maybe a change of rules as to maybe why more on goals are happening? Um, no, I think it's just by chance that there are more on goals and just an anomaly, I think, that it's occurred in this tournament. I think, I saw actually on Twitter some guy... <laughs> It was what made me laugh. He'd, I think he'd put a bet on with Bet365 or something like that that there wouldn't be a single on goal in the whole tournament and there was one in the opening game. <laughs> and it was like, if you need any betting tips, just come to me. <laughs> that was funny. Um, just but a coincidence. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Um, yeah, nothing, I don't know, nothing behind it. I wonder if it is like there's more, I you do see a lot more uh, wingers and wing backs getting in behind defences and looking for that cut back ball rather than the the higher crosses and stuff. I wonder if it's a style of play change has contributed to it. But I, I think overall, Granty's right that sh- shit happens when you're a defender and you put yourself in that position if boys are fizzing the ball in at that pace and stuff. There's not a lot you can do. And that's what most of them have been for the, for the most part. It's been 
fizzed in and they're trying to get there, trying to get the ball away from the goal and it's just gone flying into the net. You, def- you definitely never want to score an own goal. And the two, the one in yeah, the opening true. game, the one in the opening game and I know it was very Michael Owen-esque of me, that wasn't it? It was just, yeah, you don't want to score an own goal. No, you don't, Alex. Um, <laughs> oh my the, God. The, I can't remember which one it was, but the defender, he kind of just welled it into, which goal was it, Bryce? Was it Hamels? Just... Hamels against France? No, 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 in the Portugal game. In just... Guerrero, was it Guerrero? So, yeah, yeah, that one. I, I, I think that was poor. I think he could have dealt with mm-hmm. that a lot better. Bad body position. As well. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just it looked like he actually had more time than what he probably thought. Mm. Yeah. And often it's it's usually like a lunge. And in the past, coaches have told me that as soon as you lunge, you kind of leave yourself open, whether it be someone trying to take you on because it's hard then to get your feet back together and move again quickly. And if you're lunging, which they did in those circumstances, and someone strikes the ball, and you've planted your foot, you can't move it out of the way. If it hits you, there's you know a high probability that it could go in. Yeah, and that's what happened. Two own goals in that Portugal-Germany game. Hungary won, France won. As I mentioned briefly, France, Antoine Griezmann bailed France out after Hungary took the lead. Um, but yeah, they went at their best, were they, Bryce? They, they've sort of, you know... Had a maybe a little a stumble. I don't even. I'm not calling it a stumble, but I just kind of think this is like this is this is to be expected for teams that never play together. I think, especially in high stakes matches, that they're not going to play. You know, yeah, amazing football. Germany have had a bad game. England haven't had the best of games. France have had a bad game. Portugal have lost. Like all these teams aren't going to play well all the time, are they? Yeah, that's true. And I think, I think some credit to Hungary. I thought they did quite well, and I think they were definitely buoyed by a, a pack. Pushkash Arena at home in Budapest. So I think that maybe just because fans haven't been present for so long, it had a really big impact for them. Um, and it's just funny with all the attacking flair and class that France have got, it took a Sunday league, wellied it up the field, the Griezmann for them to equalise and it worked out for them. So I thought that was just classic to see. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't read into this result too much for France. I think, I think they'll, when it comes to the crunch time, they're going to do enough to qualify, obviously, for the knockouts and That'll be all right. It was a good, fun game. But, yeah, I think don't read into it too much. I think France will be just fine. Yep. So, France will be playing Portugal, I believe, in their final game. And then, oh, no, Portugal will be playing Hungary. France will be playing Germany, I believe. I yep. think I've got that correct. Yes. France um, have already played Germany, haven't they? Yes, they have. They have. So, they're the final games in that group. Um, Spain won. Poland won. I mean, Spain... <laughs> Should have won this, I think. I think that's fair to say. Um, Alvaro Morata, often the the scapegoat for many of the teams he plays in. He sort of is always offside. <laughs> but Mr. Mr. A sitter or a very good chance after the uh, missed Marino penalty. But Spain and, and then Robert Lewandowski got the equaliser. A couple words on this one as well, Bryce. Yeah, I mean, Lua to the rescue again. He's so good in the air and it's, he's very hard to mark there. So no surprise to see him score another header. I thought Morata scored in this game, did he not? No, he, he did score, but then... Yeah. Um, but Moreno, he missed that chance in the follow-up. Yeah, so Moreno then missed the yeah. penalty and then Morata missed the follow-up, which he sort of just maybe yeah. flashed at it. But yeah. it's, it's funny because Spain, we're so used to their team being like the world 11, like the likes of Iniesta, 
Torres, Xavi, like every single player being an absolute worldie. And I still think they're an amazing team. They're doing everything right, but they're a bit suspect at the back and they can't finish chances. Um, I think that's been their biggest downfall now is they can't finish the opportunities that they're creating because I think they're still so strong at controlling the game, dictating the flow and the tempo of the game, but they're just not they're just not scoring. And it's a I don't know if it's a confidence thing now or a structural thing, but I just don't look too flash. Nah, they, they, they don't. They're obviously not the, the team they were. I wouldn't be expecting them to go super far this tournament. I reckon the likes of Portugal, Germany, France and England will hopefully get uh, get further. Let's look to last night. So last night there was only two games, as I mentioned. Switzerland 3, Turkey 1. Jordan Shakiri with a double there. Two neat goals as well, by the way. His first goal was on his uh, opposite foot, right foot. His right shot. foot, yeah. From outside the box. And then he sort of had a one first time finished uh, on a sort of counter-attacking goal. But that, they got the job done over Turkey. But Italy beat Wales, Granty. We'll bring you in here. Um, yeah, Italy. Don't sleep on Italy either. They're stacked. And they sort of... I saw something um, on Twitter or I think Optus Sport were maybe talking about it. You know, questioning whether this England uh, Italy team are as good as their 06 World Cup winning team. Obviously early days, but Italy have now gone 30 games unbeaten in... Uh, yeah, which is a new record for that country at least. But what did you make of this game? Gareth Bale missed the sitter as well, which should have given yeah, Wales was, the yeah, lead. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that. I think the red card definitely dampened um, Wales's chances of getting back into it. But like you just touched on, Gareth Bale had an amazing chance with about 10 to go, um, which he skyrocketed over the bar. Um, but yeah, the, the Italians, they just look so solid. No one looks like breaking them down. Um, so organised I think they play three at the back as well um, well they looked to be playing like that when I first started watching it I didn't really I should have kept tabs on whether they changed the formation or not but yeah just look organised like you said they've scored nine goals now they've not conceded a goal at the tournament so I think probably now looking at it you'd, you'd have them as the favourites because they breeze through the group Um and they, they, I don't know, like you just said, I think they just play with... They, they, they are kind of playing like world beaters, in a sense. You know, they've just got that confidence about them. They're going into each game. They're approaching it well. And, yeah, they, they're just solid all the way through. And Wales have progressed as well. What did you make of their performance? We'll be seeing them in the knockout stages. Yeah, I think the, the first game... They played all right, and like I just touched on, Ampadu got sent off, which was... Is that a fair red card? Some, I mean, yeah. he, what did you think, Ranty? Uh, it was really, a really tough one. I I honestly, it was one of them where I looked at it and was just... just oh, I was just kind of arguing with myself that is it, isn't it? Um, obviously, the ref made the decision that it is. And you've got to you've got to stick stick to it. And but I just I don't know. What did you think, Bryce? I, I think it's one of those challenges you see almost every game. And I think if that's the precedent they set, there's going to be a lot of bloody red cards because I don't think it was. I think there was a. It was definitely poorly timed, and there's a bit of professional professional foul about it. But I think a red card. You could see by his reaction, like he wasn't even thinking that it would be a red card. And it, it yeah, just it think... took everyone by surprise. And the replay doesn't make it look good. He definitely stood stood on his foot. But it's, again, it's one of those challenges you see a lot in football. 
it, it was just slightly high, wasn't it? Probably just just in that threshold where you probably argue that yeah, it probably is a red card. But yeah, he was surprised definitely. Um, yeah, you could see that from his his reaction for sure. Yeah. But yeah, and I think from there on, I think Italy kind of just controlled the game. But Wales have got some promising signs, and it's fantastic that they've they've made it through the ground. I'm actually really chuffed that Wales have got through. I'm kind of yeah, same. They're, they're the they're the other team I'm kind of going for yeah. besides England. Um, and and they play some nice football as well. I think like Aaron Ramsey and. Uh, Gareth Bale are the, the focal points within the team and I think a lot goes through those two players and they kind of look into those players to create something um, and I think the big question or the, the one thing that everyone kind of looks at in Gareth Bale is does he just put it in for Wales and he can't be asked to play for Real Madrid because he just turns up there it's just like he wants it more he's like it's honest to God like it's like he's trying harder for Wales than he does at a domestic level. I think um, you see that you with know, the majority of the Welsh squad, don't you? I feel, feel like all of them play beyond their kind of club level for their country. Like, you get the likes of Joe Allen plays at, like, such an elite level for Wales. Rambo, you see the passion in him. They all seem to live, which is just fantastic to see, and especially considering what it was like in the past for Wales. I mean, you go back 10, 15 years ago with the likes of Ryan Giggs, you know, not wanting to go and play for Wales whenever there was internationals, and... And things like that. So it's just it's great to see Wales on the big stage. Obviously, following up from their uh, the Euros in um, the last years in 2016, it's just Jesus Christ, you've risen, Lazarus rising there, can't he? Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's awesome to see Wales there, and it's just it's a feel good story every time they get some points. But Italy look good, and the togetherness, like Mancini. I don't know if you guys saw this, like bringing on Sirigu, the goalkeeper, on for the last couple of minutes of the game just to give him that more of an experience and be feel like he's involved because Mancini played in two World Cups, never actually got on the pitch and never played in a, a major tournament because of, you know, politics and stuff within the squad. So, it, I don't know, they, they, there's those little stories like that and seeing how together yeah. and cohesive the team is that makes me think, shit, they could do something special here. Yeah, and they, they will, uh, yeah, they will be there at the end, I think. They are, they are looking great and... Obviously, Wales got to the semi-final in 2016 of the Euros, so yeah. they had that dream run um, with Chris Coleman as the manager. But uh, yeah, that's uh, they're the games that we've sort of watched over the past few days. Obviously, there was a few more earlier last week, but given the amount of time uh, that we have in this podcast, we'll, we'll just focus on the past three days. But by the time this podcast goes out, the games that will be happening tomorrow morning, um, the 22nd of June here in Australia. Um, North Macedonia are playing the Netherlands, and the Netherlands actually don't look too bad um, under uh, what's his name again? The, what's the manager's name? De Boer. Sorry, there he is. So North Macedonia v Netherlands, and the Ukraine v Austria, and that's in Group C. And then Group B, you got Finland v Belgium, Russia v Denmark. So those results will be out tomorrow morning, and we'll maybe touch on those later in the week. But anyway, boys, we'll uh, leave the Euros chat there. Obviously, we are conscious of time. Now we're going to try and keep the podcast a little bit shorter. Um, but let's have a quick look at Australian football. Alex is obviously just quickly the A-League uh, grand final is here. Sydney FC and Melbourne City are through. And they were the teams we've kind of been speaking about and have sort of been tipped by many people to make it through. Sydney beat Adelaide. Adam LaFondra uh, got 
think he got a double there, or he missed one and scored one. Uh, Bobo, Bobo. Bobo scored as well. And then one day, your old teammate at Perth Glory scored for Adelaide United. And then Melbourne City, two, MacArthur, nil. So um, Melbourne City weren't phased by their relocation to Nostrada Jubilee Stadium in Sydney. Um, didn't actually get to play the semi-final in Melbourne because of the whole COVID situation. But the best two teams are through to the grand final. Is that fair to say? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, it's always, I think it's better that way. It always seems justified when the best two teams get through to the grand final. Because um, I always think if a team that finished six, I know it's never been done, but if a team finished six and makes it to the grand final and wins it, what a load of bollocks that is. <laughs> and it is. And the fact it that is. Is, it is, it is. And just the fact that there's that opportunity for them to do that is just. Absurd. So, what would, okay, just, what would you do in that case to the A League final system? Would you make it a, a top four? Okay, ideally we scrap it because we're yeah in this sport, in this sport that isn't finals, but um, in Australia there is in sport. Um, but if you were to alter the A League final system, would you make it a top four? Four out of the top ten? I think that's probably fairer. Although you don't get many big blockbuster games, which Definitely. is why the A League and the FA Football Australia have these extra finals games. Yeah, probably top four. I mean, you've got 12 teams in the comp. How is it that you can finish halfway down the ladder and still, you know, still win it in the end? The championship, whatever they call it, you know? And I just think it's ridiculous. But yeah, okay, if we're going with that, we'll, we'd, we'd say top four um, yeah. to, make it, to make it fair. And then Two semis in the final. And, yeah, just get in the bin with the rest of them. Pretty much. Yeah, I agree. Because you can have a shocker season and scrape into the top six. And then it's like <laughs> you get the same prize as the, t- the team that came second, third, and fourth. Because top win the premiership. But I mean, you're effectively getting the same prize. And it's just what a, it's just rubbish that. But it's because I think yeah. it is. I mean, the A League, they get the money from the finals, ticket sales, and stuff like that. So they want more games. Oh, of course. They it's want always more finals games. Money so, generally. And- with money being more there. games, yeah, so it's just gonna be. I don't see it changing anytime soon because that's the case, which is sad, yeah. And it's but it adds that excitement, like you said. So, they, instead of just adding games for the regular season, they're going to get more mm. bums on seats by having a finals, yeah, and a competition. Yeah. So, but yeah, but good to see Sydney and City in the in the grand final, I guess. I'd, I don't know who's going to win it. I still, I said it didn't the other way that I think I can just see Sydney doing it again, yeah. I, I really can, but especially with no Jamie City, McLaren and stuff there for City. Yeah, but to be to be fair for City, the the young boys stepped up. The lads who got the goals, I don't know the name names of them off the top of my head, but I know two of the young lads um, stepped up against MacArthur and they got a quick five double in the fifty fourth minute and a few minutes later as well. So that kind of sealed their spot. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Anything can happen in grand final at the end of the day. It's a one off game. Um. Yeah, and it could go either way. I don't really have any preferences to who I want to win. Yeah, could do the draw, and then I don't know. Extra time. Well, yeah, something happening. I don't know. Lightning strikes something get postponed, (laughs) or I think there was um maybe on Twitter there was a couple. I think Mark Bozza, Mark Bosnich actually said, I don't know. Everyone's wanting people to rally to postpone the game because there's still concerns about whether. Melbourne City, who finished top of the ladder, can actually host the grand final. Um, I think Gregor Rourke, the head of the leagues, the 
uh, A leagues and the whole Australian football leagues has sort of said that they're going to be doing everything they can to let Melbourne City have the grand final, but there is still concerns over crowd numbers and whatnot because Melbourne are coming out of a lockdown. But either way, you can't think in Sydney or Melbourne there's going to be no crowds, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, there's been calls on Twitter at least for uh, you know the the game to be postponed and let the Socceroos and other boys sort of come back and play. So that would be the likes of Amy McLaren et al. And these guys that have sort of been really instrumental. But if that happens, then um, yeah, maybe it'll change the complexion of the game and sort of how it may pan out. But yeah, that's I can't, I can't really see that. I can't see that happening, Stu, because they've yep. got to do two weeks quarantine when they get back. So True. it'd be meaning postponing the game for what another three or four weeks, and yep. what a lot of rubbish that'd be. Yeah. So, but yeah, oh. I mean, they definitely got a debacle on the hands as to where they're going to hold hold the venue. I think I saw someone that they said they could hold it in Geelong. Is that right? Is that kind of out of the? Yeah, that's been floated as well. Yeah, that's kind of out of the um, CBD lockdown. So. Yep. They could host fans there, so that that could possibly work. But imagine that playing at Western United's home ground. What would you prefer? What would you prefer if you're in that situation? Would you just prefer to play Saviour at Glory and this was happening? Would you prefer to play at HBF Park, or would you want to go play where fans are? Um, I think personally, I actually think I'd rather play where fans are, regardless regardless of where that is. Yeah, whole more away. There's just nothing compares to it, Stu. It's just, it's so deflating playing in empty stadiums and it just lacks that atmosphere. And even though when you're playing, you don't really take much noise and you don't really hear it as such, you kind of, it's just lingering in the background, you still get that feel from when the crowd's buzzing. And even when you're away from home, you, you kind of know when you've got got a team because the crowd will go. You, you can hear them, but they're quiet. You know, the, the they're giving you abuse. You're getting on the backs. It's it's great. Oh, there's nothing better. I love. I love, honestly, God, there's no better feeling than going away from home and winning a game of football. Yeah, it's my oh, it's the best feeling ever. It'd be an interesting question for the Glory squad, considering having qualified for a home grand final a couple of years ago and having to play it at a pitch that was not technically the home ground and the ground that the yeah at Optus Stadium which the team wasn't familiar with hadn't had luck and they'd only played exhibition matches there previously I mean would you rather play in a packed Optus Stadium again for a grand final would you rather play at an empty HBF park where you know the pitch and you know every blade of grass and you're more comfortable on it I'm telling you now that if that game had been played at HBF park we would have batted them yeah I remember talking to the boys after that game and they were saying the same thing I think it just, playing playing an Optus Stadium, okay, there was 50-odd thousand or whatever the number was. I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a lot of people there all shouting and screaming. But when you play in a stadium like that, when it's not enclosed and the crowd is a long way away from the pitch, it, it actually doesn't really feel like mm. as enthralling as what you think it would. It doesn't really have much an effect, much of an effect, you know. Even, so it's even though it was sold out. Yeah, honestly, it's it really does it. It really has a massive effect on the atmosphere in the ground when the pitch is so far away. Sorry, the crowd's far away. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. All right, 
Well, there you go. A-League Grand Final. We'll update and talk about that when it's uh, all said and done in the next episode or maybe next week or whatever. A couple other quick stories just in Australian with the lens on Australia. Uh, Adama Traore signed for the Western Sydney Wanderers today. Bruno Fornaroli, your former teammate, Alex, has extended his stay at Perth for two years. So that's positive news for Perth fans. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, then there's this, I don't know, crazy Aussies to Celtic rumors flying around. Elvis Cam Sober was being floated on Twitter today. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but people on Twitter weren't happy about that. Uh, is that a, is that a they taking the mick with that or what? Yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't even been performing for Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was being spoken about on Twitter. Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Matt Ryan, three million pounds to to Celtic is looking more likely. We've sort of been talking about that a little bit, and yeah, um, Ross Aloisi is supposedly open to the Celtic move. But that's sort of where Australian football's at. Um, we'll just quickly gloss over some big APL stories, and then we got. One question sent in this week, fellas. Loyal listener, John Turner. He sent in a couple. He's got a, actually two good ones for you, Alex, about your AC Junior Up days. So we'll get to that in a second. But quickly, in the APL, fixtures were released, boys. Man City, Man United, Liverpool, and Newcastle. I figured maybe we can talk about that. I think Arsenal and Palace are the first game, though. Um, two mid-table clubs. That'll be decent. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had a look at the fixtures. It's always a, an interesting time. Um Maybe Bryce, what do you think? Have you have you had a look at sort of how Liverpool are going to be shaping up early in the season? The start looks alright for us. I just I always look for towards that Christmas period because that seems to be a, a time where it just becomes crunch time and how you fare in those that kind of month or so seems to kind of be the barometer for your season. We've got quite a few tough. I think we've got Leeds, Spurs, and Chelsea or City in that time period. So it's going to be a very tough one there. But um. Yeah, haven't really looked into it too much, to be honest. We focus on the Euros, mate. Yeah, fair enough. Newcastle will be playing West Ham. Um, man, you... I don't know who Man you have got off the top of my head. Uh, Alex, have you got it Leeds. there? Leeds. Leeds. Well, be, that's good a good game. game to start. Game. Need a win there. Um, yeah. But anyway, if you haven't seen the Premier League fixtures, they're out. So that, must, that means the season's getting closer and closer. Um, we've been talking about the Everton job. This is actually quite an interesting one. I said in the last pod that um, Nuno Espirito Santo, formerly of Wolves, was the favourite and it was actually looking like he was going to get appointed, but it looks like Rafa Benitez is going to be taking over there. So he'll be getting the Steve Bruce treatment, I think. Good shout from me, that one. Yeah, great shout from me. I think he said that in episode. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I'm here. So did Bleacher Report two weeks ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, yeah, Benitez looks like he's going to go to Everton. Jurgen Klinsmann, former manager and player at Spurs, has declared his uh, desire to take that vacant manager job. He said that on BBC or ITV's coverage of the Euros. He got asked by Gary Lineker. Aston Villa re-signed Ashley Young at the age of 35, 10 years on from his exit to Man U all those years ago. Uh, There's nothing better than a a player doing that. It's like when Rooney went back to Everton, it's like... it's definitely yeah. a good feel about it. No one's really yeah. against it. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, good on you, mate. <laughs> Everyone so, wins. He's done, he's done his dash in uh, in Italy. Won the title with Inter Milan. Obviously, he's been there, what, a year and a half, maybe? Cut few. It was like two two or three years. It was, yeah. He did really well there. But uh, I just think, I just, how funny is this Tottenham debacle? No one wants to coach him. Yeah. And would... you get Gattuso, manager at Fiorentina, for 20 days. Bins it. 
And yeah. then Spurs try and get him, and then it's like, nah. Yeah. And then Klinsman's like, please give me, and everyone there just like, I'm fucking no one else does. <laughs> Go for your life, mate. Yeah, no, that was uh, that's looking pretty interesting. That Tottenham job of how they can't get anyone. Oh, uh, United are supposedly in for Trippier, but don't want to pay the money that is being uh, reported, which is around twenty million pounds. Tamori leaves Chelsea permanently to Milan for twenty-four million. Patrick Van Arnholt's going to leave Palace on a free at the end of his contract in June. And then Arsenal reject a twenty-five million pound bid for Emil Smith Rowe. So Arsenal been involved in a few transfer stories. Um, yeah, Newcastle haven't signed anyone yet though, so we'll see what happens. Just waiting for those shake that shake takeover again, mate. It'll yeah. come. Mbappe. So, um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get to question time just to finish this episode off. Um, we'll start with the one question sent in on Instagram. So, thanks to the one person who sent in the question, John Turner. Keep sending him in, mate. Because uh, appreciate you, John. This is great, and this is a Cheers, good question. John. He's got a, he's got two two questions for you, Alex. Well, one question for you, one question for us. Granty, okay. pick pick your five-a-side team of ECU grads that went to play pro to be entered to play at Bounces Joondalup, where I'm sure you've played, as a Vets team after your uh, career. Oh, what a question. What a question. Uh, okay. Oh, I'm just trying to think. Okay, I'd obviously have myself. Um, is that allowed? That is allowed. Yeah, I'm decent on the foot so okay maybe maybe one sub as well okay i'll have one sub um reese williams um good choice yeah yeah definitely have reese he's probably uh one of the best center backs i've probably played with to be fair um there's been a few but yeah reese was immense but like when he came to the glory off the back of his borough you could just tell he was that cut above. Um, very good, very good on the ball. Um, and yeah, good defensively as well. I'd have um, Shane Lowry in there as well with me. Um, so it's a pretty defensive five-a-side team, <laughs> but you know, we won't concede much. Um, Chris Hurd. Okay. Yeah. Um, was that Villa in the Prem? Yes. Who else would I have? Um, Brandon O'Neill. That's a no-brainer. Yep. Is that is that is that five? Brandon O'Neill, Chris Heard, Reese Williams, Shane Lowry, myself, Alex Grant. So one more. One more. I need an attacker. Um, I'll probably I'll probably say Ryan Williams. Yeah, played with him at Portsmouth. You guys were both scholars there at Portsmouth. Yeah, good good player, Ryan. Quick, nippy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a few I've left out. Rostin Griffiths, he played there. Um, Rizzo had a little stint there. Um, yeah, there's a few. There's probably a couple more that I've forgot off the top of my head. And there's probably one like if you ever, ever listen to the pod. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with them. So, so good we question, got... like John. Great question, John. Uh, so just to recap, Alex Grant. Reese Williams, Shane Lowry, Brandon O'Neill, Chris Hurd, and Ryan Williams. Did you say Ryan Williams? Ryan Williams. So the two Williams, Williams. brothers. Lovely. Thank yes. you, John. All right. Yes. And Brycey, maybe we can dish this one over to you. What is the best major best major tournament song? If you can recall them. It's not poetry in motion, isn't it? Surely. 
What tournament was that? Or do you mean as in like it has to be the official song of the tournament or it can yeah. be from a, like a, each country has their own? Because Poetry in Motion, wasn't that 96? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that one. It might have been. But I think it was the official tournament song. So I remember you had Shakira, Waka Waka. That's South my favourite. South Africa that's be I can't remember any other official song besides Waka Waka and that going off. Waka Waka. You take that out of a World Cup context and we wouldn't be giving it the light of day, but the fact it was part of a World Cup, it was just a death. And that's where Gerard Piquet met Shakira and they're now married with kids. There you go. Magic. Magic. You gotta love that. All right. There we go. Thank you, John. Thanks for sending in the question. Keep sending them in, mate. There was a great question for Granty there. Um, and create quickly, some burner accounts and send those questions in as well. So it yeah. makes us probably got more followers. <laughs> we, might have to start, we might have to start doing that. Um, all right, boys. We've been going about nearly an hour now. I know we said we wanted to try and keep it to 45 minutes, but there's just too much to talk about. Um, and finally, there's no question to go on for next week, but we've got to answer the two questions that we talked about at the end of last week. Bryce, you asked... My question is, who is the oldest player to have scored at the Euros? It was Ivica Vastic. Who is? Never heard of him. Uh, some old geezer who scored, but 38 years old. <laughs> what country? No, he was Austrian. He was an Austrian Austrian player that um he scored when he was 38. Um, at what so tournament? I think uh, Goran Pandev scored when he was 37. Uh, what tournament? I don't know. Oh, we probably should have asked. Probably should have asked me this before. I'm going to say 2008. All right, that's the question for that's the question for next week, listeners. <laughs> there we go. What tournament did? <laughs> what was his name again? Ivica Vastic. What tournament did he uh, score in? We'll have the answer next week. What Euros tournament? What Euros oldest... tournament? Yeah, yeah. And of course, Goran Panda was 37 and scored in this tournament, which yeah. is why we're talking about this. And Granty, you had a question, I believe, the four Euros in the Euros final of 2012? 2012, the Olympic Stadium in Kiev final, Spain versus Italy. Um, the game resulted in a 4-0 victory for Spain. Can you name me the goal scorers? David Silva, Jordi Alba, Fernando Torres, and Juan Mata. Oh, we're off. Juan Mata. He just does his thing, hasn't he? He's been around forever. Gotta love him. Won everything. All right, boys, that's it. Um, We did it. That's another episode. Episode four is done. Thank you for your time, fellas. What is it? What's the time in Thailand? Nine. 10 to nine. 10 to nine in Thailand. Bryce, 10 to 10. 10 to 12 here in Sydney. So we're going to wrap this up. Thanks, boys. Thanks to everybody that listened. Uh, we'll be trying to drop another app, fitting it in amongst Granty's Asian Champions League schedule and mine and Bryce's schedules, but we'll be dropping hopefully another app within the week. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe we'll get Shane Lowry on the pod, given he's also in... Uh, Surely. Given he's also in prison in that same hotel. So maybe stay tuned for that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Good shout. Thanks, boys. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you again very soon. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for Newcastle. Away he brought that down.